That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. What's up? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Sober Guy Radio. I want to give some love to humans for the rad intro and closing to Sober Guy Radio. And speaking of humans, number one, if you haven't checked them out or any of their music out, be sure to do so because it is rad, sick, ill, whatever you want to call it. And I just got off the phone with Robbie from Humans. As him and I have built quite the friendship over the last few months since uh, since connecting with each other. Such a cool cat. We had a good little conversation about fear. It's really what it was based upon, I think, when I kind of reflected on it after, after we hung up. Um, the fear of the unknown, the fear of change, the fear of ourselves, really. And uh, it's something to, to think about. It's something to keep in the front of our front of our brains that fear can really stop us from uh, being the people that we want to be doing the things that we want to do. And also it can get us comfortable in spots where, um, you know, maybe we're not supposed to stay forever. And how do we tell though? What, you know, how do we tell if we're supposed to make a move or if we're supposed to, go through these changes. A lot of the time they're big changes. And Robbie had pointed out, you know, when these changes come, it seems like sometimes there's a couple of them or opportunities more or less come. It seems like there's a couple opportunities at the same time. And so now we're forced to make a decision. Which one do I take? Which one do I do? And how do we know what is the right one? Well, really, we don't know what the right you know, what the right decision is at the time. And it could be tough. Sometimes it could be confusing. And that's why I talk about, and, and I also take action upon having friends like Robbie, having friends like Seth, having friends, um, all over the place. And you know who you are out there. I could go down the list. Um, or not only friends and family, of course, too, my close family out there, who knows, you know, but organizations, uh, whether it's a 12-step program, whether it's your, your local church, whether it is um, a, a, a private group, a mastermind group, whatever it may be, where you have some accountability and you have some other, some other voices with some other opinions, some people that you trust to bounce these types of conversations and thoughts that you're having off. And the other way, and, and Robbie and I talked a little bit about this too, um, that you can help with this is to throw a a pen on some paper. You know, if it's a decision that you have to make or, you know, that you're, that you're contemplating, whether it's a job change or um, maybe you're contemplating getting sober, you know, maybe you're contemplating quitting the lifestyle that you're living. Maybe it's something as small as you're trying to figure out, um, you know, how you can be a better person, a better father, a better human being in general, right? Regardless of what the situation is, my point to this is, is support groups. Is it a single person? Is it a group of people? Is it, 
a church? Is it a piece of paper and a pen? You know, because a lot of the times we try to do things on our own and here comes that pride, that ego, which is a whole nother topic, but also something that played into the conversation, which is interesting in itself. Um, you know, that pride, that ego can really stop us from continuing on in the, in the direction that we're supposed to go. And so we need those people, those groups, those um, relationships to, to stop and help us think and help us get an outside opinion. So I'm going to stop right now because I hear the ice cream man coming down the road. Goodness gracious. All right. So, and back to humans, check out some of humans music. Like I said, Robbie's such a cool dude. Let's talk a little bit today about our guests and about this episode. Now, um, I have two super awesome guests that are coming on. Ken Seeley and John Southworth both um, have been on the show and uh, regularly, regular, regularly. How do you say that? Regularly, regularly. Try to say that a couple times fast. Regularly, regularly. They've both been on the show Intervention, any reality show Intervention. Um, many times they both have successful organizations where they help people with interventions. Um, and Ken Seeley is from intervention 911. You can go check him out at intervention 911.com. Um, you've probably seen him on the show. If you've checked out, uh, the show intervention on a &E. and then John is, uh, John Southworth. He is from, let's see, it's Southworth and associates, I believe, but let me just make sure that I get that correct. Correct. Yes. It's Southworth and associates. And, um, John and Ken both had their own personal battles with addiction. And that's what I loved about talking with these two is yes, we talked about some professional elements of, um, you know, of addiction and how you treat people, some of their experience in, you know, performing interventions and working with families, working with the, um, you know, the individual themselves, but also we talked about their own personal battle, spiritually, physically, mentally, um, you know, we got into, into that and they were both very candid and both very open to talk about both sides of the coin here. So it was really, really cool. And, um, you know, we did this now to get into this part of it. I had talked a little bit on, on the show and on the Facebook page about the innovations in behavioral health conference in Nashville, uh, which our sponsor foundations recovery network flew me out, set me up and uh, scheduled a, a bunch of different shows to do at this conference with guys like Ken and John. And uh, we did a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of them. Actually, I talked to some wonderful people, some really, really cool professionals in the business. And also, um, you know, a lot of those professionals had been in treatment or are former addicts who are in recovery now. So, um, you know, just like this conversation, it was really cool to get both sides of the coin. And I think I'm going to put out at least one more of these from, um, you know, from the Nashville conference and, uh, if not a couple of them. So look for those coming up in the future. We're going to get to John and Ken in just a minute, but first a word from our sponsor foundations recovery network at foundations recovery network. Our mission is to create lifetime relationships for long-term recovery in our history of doing good is the promise of your future getting better. So if you or someone you love needs help, please know we are here to help. And the sign on our door says, we care. 
We create an individualized treatment plan for the whole person, for the whole you, because to us, you matter. The first step to recovery is heroic. We know that. And with our heroes in recovery movement, we honor those who have taken that step toward recovery and stand up for you and stand beside you and stand together to break the stigma placed on addiction. Call our confidential and private line at 877-714-1318. We are here to help you. And help has a phone number, 877-714-1318. Make the call. We're listening. We're Foundations Recovery Network. Thanks again to Foundations for all their support of Sober Guy Radio. Now, let's talk about this. Do you need or do you want a app to track your sobriety? It'll let you know how many days you have of sobriety under your belt, how much money you saved, meetups, all kinds of cool things going on with the I Am Sober app. And let me tell you a little bit about what I Am Sober app is. I Am Sober is a motivational companion app for tracking your sobriety. Along with tracking your sobriety, it helps you reach key milestones like seven days or one month, and it sends you daily motivation along the way. You can also combine your stats with sober clubs and meet fellow sobriety seekers. You can find it on the App Store, Google Play, or you can visit IamSoberApp.com. That's IamSoberApp.com. What's up to Nick and the team over at I Am Sober? Awesome ass app. I love getting the daily motivation. Every day, I talk about it often, every day at 5 a.m. it goes off. Let's check it out today. Let's see what our daily motivation was today. Today was, I am in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Yes, sir. That is correct. And you can, as you can see, my voice is still torn and tattered. Damn, it's so frustrating. Like I've been dealing with this since I got back from Nashville. Actually, since I was in Nashville, I struggled through the last day of, um, of finishing up some of the shows and I've still been going doing the corporate podcast, uh, doing sober guy radio ones. I can't stop. It's just, it's the way it goes. We got to muscle through it and, uh, hopefully say a prayer for me, folks. Maybe this voice of mine will start to improve a little bit because it's getting a little bit rough. Last but not least, maybe you can hear the ice cream man again in the background. He's rolling down the street again from, from the, uh, from the front side this time I can hear him. I think I'm going to go get myself a bomb. What's Is it a bomb? It's the banana and the chocolate one. You know what I'm talking about? The one that's got the banana in the middle and the chocolate on both sides. Superstar. That's what it is. The superstar. One of my favorites. Some ice cream. Okay. We're going to get to John and Ken in one more moment. One more minute. Moment, minute, moment. Whatever it is. Whatever you prefer. But really quick, I'll make this fast, I promise. If you want to become part of the sober guy community, go to that sober You can sign up there. You can get access to all kinds of cool things on the site. The six quick tips to quit drinking in 24 hours. No, it's not a magical book. That's going to save your ass. All it is, is a couple of quick tips to help get me started. You still need to go and get some professional help in 12 step groups, therapy, um, friends, family, read all that kind of stuff. But the six quick tips is a free download I created and it will help you. Step one is make a decision, you know, um, and you go from there. So check it out. That's Go on there, sign up, become a member of the community. Also check out sober guy, sober girl 
on Facebook, the private accountability group on there. Some awesome people from all over the world sharing stories, sharing thoughts. Would love to have you be a part of it. Whether you're in early recovery or your long-term recovery, it doesn't matter. Uh, we all have something to add. So please check that out. Sober guy, sober girl on Facebook. Now let's get to Ken Seely and John Southworth. Damn, I love this shit. I love all of you. Thank you for being a part of my sobriety and my recovery. All right, welcome. We're live at Innovations in Behavioral Healthcare, Nashville, Tennessee, Sober Guy Radio. We have uh, Ken Seely and John Southworth joining the show today. John, Ken, it's great to be with you guys. Uh, thanks for joining the show. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you, Jane. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, de definitely looking forward to talking with both of you. Uh, Ken, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, we're going to get into talking about interventions, too, by the way. I know uh, that's two of both of your specialties. Um, actually, real quick, let me back up, Ken. Um, I have to make a special... Uh, a special request to you from my mother, Darcy, who's been a, a huge support in my recovery. She told me to specifically tell you that you're her favorite on intervention. Really? <laughs> yeah. She goes, oh, she goes, oh my gosh, you, you're going to talk with Ken. And I said, yeah, yeah. And she said, well, just you tell him he's awesome and that he's my favorite. I said, all right, I'll tell him. Did you, nice that, John? Did you hear that, John? I did. <laughs> At the airport I'm yesterday. Sorry. Oh, yeah, at the airport yesterday. We're, we're all stopping him to get autographs. Yeah. I go through it all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, that's okay because you have a face for radio, right, yes, John? Yes, that's what yeah. I told you. We're, we're, we're good to go. Yep. So let, let's uh, let's jump into this, Ken. Uh, you're, you uh, founded Interview, or I'm sorry, Intervention 911. Tell us a little bit about yourself for those who don't know. Yeah, no, um, I started Intervention 911 about 2001, was it? Something like that. And started uh, being part of the show in 2004 or five. Um, and now we have IOP and Sober Living down in Palm Springs, California. Got it. So we're doing PHP and all of the different levels of care down there. And Pretty busy? Yeah, keeping real busy. <laughs> John, how about you, man? Tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, and talk about uh, Southworth and Associates. Well, uh, Southworth International is my company, and we're out of Boise, Idaho. And we've been going since 1992. And we started out, uh, I started out doing interventions in uh, 84. I was trained in 84. So I've been doing interventions quite a while. I've been sober, uh, be 34 years, January 1st. Wow, congrats. So, yeah, thanks a lot. That's huge. But uh, there was five treatment centers, eight drunk driving charges, busted for dealing coke. Uh, the, the DUIs had nothing to do with alcohol. It was very poor legal representation. <laughs> I, uh, of course, isn't yeah. it always? Uh, yeah. Ken gave me his attorney, and it didn't work out that well. Ken, did you? That's oh, okay. I, that's that's no good, man. So yeah, actually, we, you and I talked a little bit about this before we started recording. You, the first time you went into recovery was 1972. Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about that, real quick. Well, that that was fun. Uh, I've never paid a hospital to make me sick before, but that was one. Wow. I went to Raleigh Hills in Portland, Oregon, 1972, uh, December, and uh, got to detox. And they used alcohol in those days to detox us. And I went a little wild, and they had me in a four-point restraint. And uh, then they gave me what they called the wiener bottle, and uh, it kind of <laughs> cleared me up. And then they uh, take you in a room and shoot you with a drug that's very powerful. It's not an abuse. It's much more powerful. And it makes you really sick. They put a puke pan in front of you, and then they feed you uh, every other day alcohol with this poison of some kind. Oh my goodness. And uh, you just throw up and throw up. And it's, it's called aversion treatment. 
and it works. Yeah, it, it worked for you real well. Yeah, I went right to marijuana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the marijuana and alcohol back and forth. Oh, uh, wonderful trip. Yeah, yeah, and so so Ken, how, how about for you? I know, um, I believe you got sober in nineteen eighty nine. Is that right? That's it. And yeah. so, what what was life like for you before before you got sober? Um, I was selling crystal meth um, on a regular basis for about four years. Um, that was my drug of choice that ended up bringing me to my knees and wanting help. Well, I didn't really want help. I was intervened on. I was like, I don't need that. Huh. Those people are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> they're not here. Yeah, they're not as crazy. They're, they're not fun. Yeah. <laughs> how, how am I going to function without alcohol and drugs in my life? Gosh. Meth kept me going. I was yeah. able to, you know, be productive in life. Were you, were you a productive meth user or were, or were you, was that, was that your job basically getting, getting meth and... No, actually, I was working at a treatment center. Really? <laughs> wow. Dang, that's crazy, man. So um, so what, what finally did it for you when you said, I mean, like you said, it brought you to your knees. But uh, I think it's, 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 it's pretty, uh, pretty amazing for both of you. You go from, um, you know, addicts and then in, not only into recovery, but then turning around and, and doing interventions and really having a huge impact on not only the individual that is struggling, but also the families. Um, I'm sure that's a huge part of this for you too. So um, maybe we can jump into that a little bit. Yeah, the families are the hardest part. I mean, it's so heartbreaking watching them, you know, see their loved one just deteriorate and die right in yeah. front of them. And they feel helpless yeah. until they get a hold of us. Yeah. We, uh, Ken and I really joined forces on really working with the families because that's, that's the key. Yeah. When I, uh, I've got contracts with the, the Board of Medicine, the Board of Nursing, the Board of Pharmacy, the, the Board of Dentistry, the State Bar, the judges, but I got a gun at their head because of their license and yeah. it's like an airline pilot. You know, you, know, you want to fly again or you're going to follow. So yeah. we've taken that model, but what Ken and I have done is working with the families. We've We've uh, come up with a board of family, and they're the, they're the consequences. And if they can't be part of it, we don't deal with it. You really? Go waste your money with somebody that uh, wants to uh, waste your money because we, we won't do it. We, we want them to buy in because both of us believe in there's nothing that works better than consequences. Yeah. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot of different elements to this, but what's, what's really one of the most difficult or, or challenging things that you face when the families come in? Um, you can't tell someone they're an addict. You can't tell someone they're an alcoholic. I mean, I, I mean, you can, but it doesn't mean they're going to understand and they're going to listen. So, I mean, how, how do you even address that? Well, you know that you could tell them until you're, you're blue, you're in, blue their in the face. face. Yeah, right. Yeah. They, don't, they don't hear that. Yeah. You know, like John just said, the only thing an addict hears is consequences. Hmm. That's the only reason they check into treatment. It's the only reason why they seek help. Like I said, when I got sober... You know, in, in J- July of 1989, it was the consequence of me being fired from my job. Oh, That's what said, oh, my God, I better do something different. Without consequences, just think of it. Nobody wakes up and says, oh, today's a great day. You know, I'm going to go yeah. out. I just got a raise. And, yeah. you know, I got, you know, engaged. And I'm going to yeah. check into Michael's house today. Yeah. You know? It's usually I just got a raise and got engaged. Let's go get 
Joked up today. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> we're finding ways, whether we're happy, uh, angry, um, it, no matter what the occasion is, is it a birthday, is it a funeral, that's just a great excuse to just get out of my mind. I got today. it down to where I, I would only use on days that ended in Y. That's a great one. I lo- I, yeah, I, that I, one. I stay yeah. right on target with that, and it works. It works good, huh? Yeah. yeah as long as the money holds out. Yeah, that doesn't seem to last too no. long uh, Too long for me. So um, we had spoke earlier, too. Tell us a little bit about... Um, I, I, you're going to have to jog my memory here a little bit. The insurance thing that we're working on or that, that you two are both working on. I think that's huge with this. And, and maybe we can talk a little bit about that. I think, uh, Ken's been the real, uh, backbone of this. I tried it, uh, how many years ago? It wasn't insurance at that time. We tried a coalition and we couldn't get the big boys to buy into it. And then yeah. Ken kind of took over about two or three years ago. Yeah. And he's done a marvelous job. And he's really, he's got his heart in it. And he's worked so hard. I'm so proud of him and what he's done. And he went, I went with him to Jayco. I just kind of follow him around. And uh, he's really put some together, some things together. And with everything he's doing, he can tell you about it. But uh, I just, uh, I've never seen anything like it. What he did has changed this uh our model to where uh, they'll finally accept insurance for case management, which is the key, and keeping the families and everybody else on tasks and the intervention. So he can tell you how he did it. Yeah, that's that's amazing, man. Yeah, it's, it's been so much fun. It's been like you kind of look at the big picture of where we're at, and that's where John and I, this is why we get along so well. People would think, you know, oh, you guys are competition. Why are you guys friends? And, you know, we travel <laughs> together every year, go on vacations. Yeah. You know, so it's like the the reason why I'm so attracted to him and, and the way he works and his mind works is because it's all about connecting dots. You sure. know, it's all about, okay, here's the big picture. There's people out there dying. And what are they missing? What are they missing? Yeah. You know, as John would say, where's the, where's the leak? Where's the empty, where's the uh, hole that we need to cover? And so... But what I realized is that they're not paying, payers aren't paying for case management and intervention. And that's the number one component that is helping these doctors and lawyers and pilots to get long-term recovery. So what we did is we said, well, the first part is because it's not joint commission accredited. So we flew out to Chicago and met with Joint Commission, and they loved the idea of accrediting the five-year plan. Uh So they did that. That was the first thing that we had to do. Then the second thing that we had to do is we need to create a credential around case management and interventionist. So again, we went to an outside source that holds credentials, Brining Institute. They've been doing it since 1986 and got them to create a credential for case managers and interventionists. So it's CCMI. Uh, certified case manager interventionist. So we got them to create this credential. And then we said, okay, now let's go to the payers. So John went with me and we flew to DC a couple times, right? In DC, yeah. A couple times. Yep. And we went to DC and we talked to them and we said, you know, why don't you have, you know, billing codes for case management and interventionist? And they were like, oh, we could get you those. We believe in case management. So it's like just. Right out of the clear blue sky. Well, and and not only that, but the um, the termination that it sounds like that takes it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of uh, of traveling. Number one, but just being adamant and and keep keep that push going, and it ended up getting approved. Yep, the whole thing. Yeah, we 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 paid this out of our own pockets. Really? Oh yeah, lots of airlines, lots of hotels, lots of cars. Well, you know, and and you brought up a good point is in the fact that. 
Well, was this a resource-based thing? Is and, and that's what you were kind of alluding to is why these people aren't getting out and getting the help they need because they don't have that, that resource is not there. They're going to have to come out of pocket for it, in other words, right? Yeah, we were doing it for years out of pocket, but it's 18500 and, and the normal person just can't afford it. I mean, that's not... You'll ask a guy under the bridge, you know, he's got eighteen five, and he's a little short. I think he might be. Yeah, I think he may be just a, just a tad short on that. Gosh, that's so that's so awesome. Yeah. So, so where does it go from here? So now we're in the process, you know, meeting with training people from A to Z. You know, we're going to train people that want to get into this business and learn how to do case management and interventions. And we're going to do five modules where they are going to be trained in person, you know, um, on 25 per mod. I think we're doing right. 25 per mod. And they're going to come in in person and we're going to train them how to become credentialed. And then we're going to, this sixth and seventh one, we're going to train them to prep them for their exam. And the seventh one, we're going to train them on how to get joint commission accredited, which in turn will get you reimbursed by insurance companies. Wow. And in between there, while we're in our training that we've developed, is uh, we're helping the treatment centers with the uh, AMAs, which is against medical advice. We're training them how to do an intervention with uh, Ken's come up with a scheme on uh, Zoom where we get all the family members on TV where the guy's trying to leave after a week, you know. Yeah, yeah. He could hear the cry of the heroin and... And oh, uh, the uh, the family lets them know with the counselor sitting there, or us or whoever, is uh, that's great, but you're not coming home. And we, yeah. we're trying to get them to stay there. The treatment center spent a lot of money to get them there. Yeah. And the families. Well, it's funny that goes back to that consequence. It's thing, all. Right? That's that's your consequence. If you want to go out and you, you're going to go out again, then I love you, but I'm sorry, but I, I'm not going to be here to watch you destroy yourself any longer. God, that's got to be such a difficult it thing. Is. But it's. I mean, what else are you supposed to do? Well, there, there's not a lot. There's a, there's a chronic disease that's going to kill, yeah. and as we all know. And uh, without that family involved, I tell everybody, you know, it's like taking a leper out of a leper colony and putting them in treatment, put them back in the leper colony. Say, oh, by the way, don't catch leprosy. Well, that, <laughs> that isn't going to yeah. fly. Yeah. So if we don't get that family turned around, and we, we make them work too. Yeah. And they're going to Coda. They're going to Al-Anon uh, and... Uh, during the crisis, we've got to get them on a contract right then because they start to fade on us after they, yeah. they look pretty good after 30 days. They think I, it's all over. I want, uh, John, I'd like you to write a book, One-Liners by John, and, <laughs> and you can put all the analogies yeah. in the one-liners because I've heard some of the best ones in the short 30 minutes that we've known yeah. each other. We're going to call it as John sees it. All right. I like it. I like it. <laughs> uh, so I think this may be interesting. Um, it, can, can we go? Maybe we'll start with you, Ken, and then go to John. Um, do you have something that really stands out, a story that really, really seemed hopeless but just ended up being a, a great success story that you could share? Absolutely. Oh, my God. There's I'm a, sure there's a ton, yeah, but is there a, one in particular that, that stands out? There's so many, but the one that really always, when I get asked this, is a guy named Brent that I did on the show, uh-huh. and he was a fighter. Oh, my God. God, he was such a nightmare to deal with. He like <laughs> fought us tooth and nail. I mean, we were in the humidity of Florida, you know, when it was so hot out that day. And he's walking in the streets and we're following him for miles to get to his apartment from the hotel that we did the intervention at. Yeah. And he's, I'm not going, I'm not going. I mean, it was such a nightmare. The kids were crying. And, you know, when we finally told them in Florida, there's a law called the Marchman Act. You know, and all it needs is two family members and a therapist to sign and they will mandate, they will court order 
treatment. Really? Yeah, it's the only state. Mississippi has it, but you have to be a resident of Mississippi. Florida, you just have to be on the ground in Florida. So to- if I went to Florida yep. and I went off that deep end and my wife and my mom went over there, they could say, they could sign, in a therapist, they, yep. they could sign it and then I could go to treatment for that, even being a California resident. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Family like, vacation in Disneyland. Yeah. We're going to Disneyland. <laughs> oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah. We're going to Disneyland. By the way, your ass is getting uh, it, back. Yeah. You're done. But man, so, so what happened with so Prince? I told him that. I said, you know, you, I'm sorry. You know, you're going to have to do it with indigent people. It's going to be yeah. a place that's not like the one that we have picked out in California. And he was like, okay, uh, uh, is this true? And he called in his friend, and his friend goes, I'm sorry. Yeah, I just looked it up online. It's true. No. And he was like, all right, I'll go. And the shift that happened to him in that 90 days, he was scared to death to leave treatment and to go to sober living. So he called me and said, Ken, I really would like to go to sober living because I'm scared to go home. Yeah. I don't have the tools yet. Yeah. Um, but the heartbreaking part of that story, it was so heartbreaking. While he was looking for sober living, he had problems drinking and you know swallowing. And he found out he had throat cancer. Oh, my goodness. And no. so he went home and did treatments, and he died within six weeks. And wow. his family was just so grateful. The little kid was like, I'm so grateful my dad got to come to my baseball game before he died, and he was yeah. there for me sober. And, you know, and I, I think, um, at least for me, and my, my guess would be this is motivation for both of you, too, in working with people and families and just – just in this community of recovery those type of stories are the things that like drive me and i've lost close friends to addiction myself and so my 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 good buddy ryan um you know i always have him in the in the in in my mind somewhere on this push to like just keep spreading the word and keep Mm -hmm. talking about it and keep an open uh, like an open book about it i guess so thanks for sharing that ken that's that's great john how about you man do you have something that stands out yeah i I think one of these days ken and i have to go someplace and just grieve because i I never stop to grieve it it scares me to start grieving and uh i uh, when i got into recovery i I never cried. My dad, big boys don't cry, and he was yeah. an alcoholic. And uh, and so uh, I think one of these days I'm just going to go on an island and just sit and weep. Just cry. One that comes to my mind is I, when I got first into recovery, I was working in the schools as a volunteer and sharing my message and you know, doing whatever I could. And, and I noticed this little girl in the back of the room, overweight, and hair pulled in front of her eyes. And you can spot an adult child of an alcoholic a long ways away because yeah. they're, the, they're the lost child. They're highly suicidal. And uh, it, it hit me hard watching her and whatever. But as I walked out, she came up to me later and she said, uh, could I talk to you? And she told me about her dad. She was 16, about her dad's been molesting her since she was two or three years old. He was a truck driver and they would take these kids out on the trucks and they would swap children. Uh, for sexual favors uh, and uh, the one little girl was in a canoe and uh, her, her, she was crying that she didn't want to play with this older man and uh, he said if you don't uh, uh, if you don't behave I'll drown you and he did and this was all in uh, this little girl's mind and uh, so I worked with her I started taking her to AA meetings because she was heavily drinking she called me one night and she said I'm going to commit suicide. So I got in the morning. It was about 3 in the morning. She was about 16 or 17. So I drove out there and talked with her and kept, did something. Much, I don't know whatever happened, but we finally got her turned around a little bit. But the greatest part of this story is, probably what, 20 years later, 
she uh, she got a hold of me and she said uh, uh, you knew I was abused as a child we put her dad in prison and uh, uh, she said yeah and uh, she said my boyfriend her husband maybe it was at that point uh, came home drunk relapsed and raped her and all that trauma came back so I took her to Pine Grove to a friend of ours that works with us Caroline Smith and we uh, scholarship and paid for everything and uh, wow. got her back. But just to have her reach out after 20 years and, and know there was somebody. That. Oh my God! And yeah. she's a social worker now. She's really? got a license. Everything else. So she turned her life around and completely. began to help people as well. Yeah. I, th- I think that's so. It's it's so common to see that too. I think yeah. you know in that a lot of people that are abused or have the issues, just like all of us, what we're right. doing, I guess. Um, let me ask you guys something. How do you deal with that shit like that? the abuse things like just hearing you tell that story like pisses me off right like and so like you said you put up a wall into into your feelings into having to because obviously you're there to you have a job to do right but how do you let that not creep into your heart as a man to your soul like that that these especially dealing with kids i mean that's i have kids i'm sure you guys have have kids too and how do you deal with something like that man yeah it's it's heartbreaking i mean you know, it's kind of the thing that keeps me going because yeah. Caroline in our training, when we train people to be interventionists and case managers, and one of the, part of the training she teaches or shows people with genogram, and it's so important as a interventionist to understand a genogram, not to do a genogram on your families or the clients you're working with, but to really understand it because if yeah. you sit there and understand where that addict came from, there's been some trauma somewhere. And there's something there that's, you know, holding them and keeping them hostage in their disease. And when you see all the family systems, I mean, sometimes, you know, I want to strangle the addict. You know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, okay, you don't need treatment. Go, you know, let me Just help you bury out. your grave. Okay, we'll, we'll start digging right now. You know, sometimes yeah. that's the way I feel. Yeah. But then when I, I remember where they came from what the trauma was that was in their family system. So in the genogram, genogram, you could see all the different players of where the abuse happened. And you really, then you start having empathy for that addict again and saying, oh my God, we got to help them so they could resolve that, get into treatment and get to the bottom of that so they don't have to suffer anymore. Yeah, Yeah, for me, I guess I'm in denial a lot of the times. I just... uh, one thing about both of us, though, we go to a lot of meetings, and I, I get so much comfort out of my 12-step meetings. And yeah. I'm a I'm a total addict. You name it, I'm an overeater, uh, uh, everything. And so the meetings do a lot for me, and I hear other stories and whatever. But it's mostly self-care. And then he yeah. and I are going down to. Uh, he's already been to two of the models uh, through Judy Crane on uh, Spirit to Spirit for uh, trauma, and I'm going down also with him this time, starting model three. Module three, so I think for me, Shane, it's just working on John. I, I go to a men's group at on site here in Nashville once in a year, and uh, it's and help other people. Yeah, I, I don't think I can live without helping other people. Yeah, I was going to say so service work is such a big part of yeah. being in recovery, and it helps to um, kind of keep. Oh, for me, it helps me stay out of my own head, you know. Yeah. It, but contrary to that, I've noticed lately, um, you know, with the community that's really um, been built and continues to be built around sober guy radio. Um, I, I tend to get 
out trying to do so much work helping others and you know trying to help out that I forget sometimes to help like to stay on my own course too you know so I have to be conscious of that I guess is what well, I'm getting we, at we were both in a meeting this morning at 6.30 here uh, down the end of the hall uh -huh. every place we go we have a winner's group what we call is a winner's traveling home group because really? most of us we never get home he and I so we started this winner's home group and uh, that's our home group and uh, everybody's very popular with it now so there's not a conference or workshop or training or anything everything we do has got a meeting yeah. before it starts an hour before it's you guys do that every day at the conference oh yeah really? we'll be there at 6 30 in the morning can any can i come of course oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right we, we'll have to fingerprint you <laughs> okay all right i think i don't know i think i'll pass I don't yeah. know. we'll see we'll see <laughs> no it, and one neat thing about it too when we started was for all addictions we yeah. there there's no barriers there all support and all newcomers, we tell uh, anybody, uh, I put a conference on in Vero Beach, and the big thing I tell them about it, I want them there. I want them in that meeting. And, uh, well, I, I'm not an addict. We don't care. We're not contagious. Come yeah. and learn about us. How, yeah. can you work, how can you learn to work in this industry without going to Al-Anon or a 12-step meeting of some yeah. kind? I think it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And um, I, th I think recovery is a process. You know, yeah. there is no end to recovery. No. So. You know, our meetings is what keeps us on a daily basis somewhat sane. Yeah. And then, um, but I really believe every year I have to do something big for my recovery. So, like, a couple of years ago, I went to Spirit to Spirit to a five-day meditation. Mm -hmm. Then I went to Pine Grove to their pet program. So, it's really about, you know, figuring out where you are in your recovery and continuing that path. Because if I didn't do that, I would go insane hearing all these stories on the front lines and oh, yeah. seeing that misery it's yeah. all about self-care you got yeah we can't preach something if we're not willing to do it yeah so well man it's just using those tools the tools we used to use was alcohol and drugs now we have thank god healthy tools to use but we have to get out there and get it right mm -hmm. we got to take action and actually do it um okay well i, I have one last question and then we're going to do the heart and hustle round and i'll tell you what that is okay. really quick okay so la last question it, to someone out there who might be listening right now that's struggling, um, they're right on that line. They want some help, but they don't know where to get it, how to get it. They don't know what to do. Um, what advice could you give them? I, uh, myself, I always just say, call my number. I, uh, I put out a, a toll-free number, and the reason I started that was a lot of these kids lose their cell phones and they're, uh, they're in, uh, I had one little girl call me from Philadelphia and the, I think the uh, toll-free line goes right to my cell phone, but I have a crisis line 24-7 wow. and uh, I just give my number out and say, call me at 866-460-9014, 24 hours a day. And all we can do is refer and uh, do what we can. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. Ken, how about for you? Yeah, the same thing. I just think that, you know, if you're out there really struggling right now and, you know, wondering what to do because, you know, you're not an addict, but there's still a lot of pain around your using or where you're at in your life. You know, maybe it's just that simple. You know, it's not the using that is the pain, but you're you're miserable like you're in so much pain where you know i remember turning on the radio and just every song especially being here in nashville every song it's like uh like crying you know yeah. it's like my, my girlfriend yeah. left me and blah, blah, yeah. you know? it's like a lot of painful <laughs> painful songs so. yeah do you know what you get what happens when you play one of those records backwards your dog comes back your wife comes back <laughs> <laughs> you get your job yeah everything falls into place 
Oh, it's funny. But when you hear those songs and, and you're in that kind of pain that it brings you to tears, that means that there's something not right with you yeah. and your spirit. And so don't identify as an addict or an alcoholic, but go out and get a, a professional. And I hear John say it all the time. Get an assessment. You know, just go in and talk to a professional to get an assessment to see what's causing that pain. And is there something that we could do to get you out of that misery? Got it, guy. That's great. That's great. All right, fellas. Well, let's jump into the heart and hustle round. And what this what is. What do we win? What's that? <laughs> what do we win? What do you win? Uh, let's see. Let's see. Well, uh, the prize is yet to be determined. Oh, okay. That's all Thank I can you. come up with Thank off you. the top of my head. But I'll, I'll let you know later. Um, so the heart and hustle round, we're going to put uh, put your heart into each answer, but we're going to hustle it up 30 seconds or less with just a couple of them, okay? So the first one, Kent, we'll go Ken and we'll go John. So Ken, this is the fun one. Where's the weirdest place you ever woke up? Oh, God. In a dumpster. A dumpster. <laughs> Oh, wow. John, how about for you? Mine was in San Francisco in my car in front of a very busy uh, driveway, and they couldn't wake me up. Really? Out cold, huh? Oh, out cold. All right. Let's do one more fun one, actually. Where's the weirdest place you've ever thrown up? Thrown up? I was pretty good. I didn't really throw up when I was sick. I, the meth that held the down. Yeah, The meth okay. held the alcohol down. That's, yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah. Uh, mine was just in treatment. Yeah, it was every day. I mean, that was ridiculous. I knew how to throw up, and to pay that kind of money to learn how to do throw up was not good. But yeah, a little expensive there a to little. learn how to puke. Huh? Yeah. All right, number two. What's the best thing about being sober, Ken? Oh, the best thing is, you know, all of your dreams become a reality mm-hmm. times a million. I never expected to be in this place when I first got sober. Never expected to have this life that I have. And it's all because of recovery. Mine, uh, mine is taking care of the little boy that's inside of me. I've worked a lot, really, for the past 20 years, taking care of this little boy inside. Uh, I became his parent. I became his dad. Uh, he didn't like his original father. And uh, so I've taken care of this little boy. And I let him do fun things like run around with Ken, Eric. And, and uh, we, we do crazy things. And we... We take vacations and let the little kids play. Yeah. Because I think that's so important. So, uh, to me, uh, we had no money when I was a kid, and my cousin did. And he'd come back from Sun Valley, Idaho, which was 100 miles away, and I'd never been out of my hometown. And he'd come back and talk about uh, riding horses and stuff like that. And I told Mom, I said, can we go to Sun Valley? We don't have the money. So, right now, I'm on vacation every day of my life. That's and I'm awesome, sitting in a nice hotel, and yeah. this little boy gets a nice hotel. He gets to watch TV, and he can get up when he wants to sometimes, as long as he gets to his meetings. That's nice. That's nice. Well, that kind of ties in with, uh, with this next one. Um, what, what do you do? What's your recovery program to help keep you sober? Well, that's it, what I told you about before. Yeah. It's recovery is a process. I mean, there's no destination. My destination is going to be my grave. So recovery is a process. I still continue to go to meetings every single week. I don't go a week without going to a meeting. Mm -hmm. And then I'm always looking at something else to enhance my recovery. Because when they say in the 12-step program, some people need outside help, I'm one of them. I need a lot of outside help. (laughs) And and I take advantage of it. Because every time I learn something new that takes me to that next level of spirituality or next level of, you know, awareness. I mean, 
do you think I connected all those dots putting this thing together on my in my brain? Yeah. I would never have done that. It's all because of recovery. Yeah, I think I'm going to get some tape, that construction tape, and just <laughs> wrap myself up in it. I'm still under construction every <laughs> like day. It. And it, 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 I heard down in Florida, we were at a meeting, and the guy said, uh, I got the monkey off my back, but... Uh, the uh, circus is still in town. And that's <laughs> like me. It. And so yeah. I, I'm like Ken. I just love working on myself all the time. Right. Uh, Ken, where if uh, folks want to find out more information about you, um, where, where could they look and can you direct them anywhere? Absolutely. Intervention911.com um, is our website and our number is 866-888-4911. Thanks, Ken. How about you, John? Our okay. website is Southworth Associates, plural, one word, dot net. And then my 866-460-9014. So, and he and I work 24 hours a day. And we do mostly texting. It's much faster uh, than emails and phone calls. But uh, we, yeah. we're there. We've right, made it pretty right. easy, pretty accessible for both of us. Gentlemen, thanks so much for sitting down uh, with me today. It's been, it's been an honor. Seriously, I thank really you. enjoyed it. And thank you very much. Thank, thank you, Shane. Yeah. Thank you. I really liked it. Thanks for listening. For more information or to join the Sober Guy, Sober Girl community, go to www.thatsoberguy.com. Peace, love, respect. Keep your blood clean.